So welcome everyone to Livestream Stars. I'm Ross Brand. This is a place where we showcase talented broadcasters delivering high quality content across live stream platforms. And Livestream Stars is brought to you by Livestream Universe. For everything live streaming, check it out, livestreamuniverse.com. And to learn more about this show and see upcoming videos and past episodes, visit LivestreamStars.tv. Next week, we have Daniel Newman, a digital marketer, keynote speaker, and the host of Cloud Talk, uh, which he hosts right here on Blab. So he'll be the guest next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Today's guest is Jody Oaken. Welcome, Jody. Jody's a financial aid professional. She hosts the Twitter chat College Cash. Jody has a huge social media following, uh, around 125,000 followers on Twitter. Uh, she also hosts a monthly Blab show with Aaron Kilby and Margie Annalise, which I'm um, excited to be on on Wednesday night at 10 p.m. Uh, Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Jody is the founder of College Financial Aid Advisors, a brand ambassador for Discover Student Loans, and a top 30 social media influencer in personal finance and wealth. Wow. That's quite a bio. Um, I hope I got everything in there. And of course, Jody has a new book coming out, Secrets of a Financial Aid Pro. And so I think that's a great place to start. Um, tell us about the book, when it's coming out and you know what motivated you to, to write it. Um, so let's start with your last question, which was okay. what motivated me to write it. I wanted to be on the Kelly and Michael show. And so, uh, I heard that you needed a book to do that. So okay. I wrote a book and the process was, I actually really enjoyed the process to be honest. Um, I knew my goals, which were, I didn't want to write a how to book. I didn't want it to go out of date real fast. I have a lot of clients, customers, families who have stories that call all the time. So it's more like every chapter talks about a family, a specific part of the process and answers questions of what to do next. So it's it's pre-launched right now. You can go to jodyokin.com and see all our little bonuses. And then uh, the launch date is May 24th. So I'm quite excited. Oh, awesome. That's, yeah. uh, that's uh, just a little over a month away. I know. So the invites are coming in from Michael and Kelly and all the different shows now? Not, not yet. I have to not wait yet. a little bit. <laughs> My, once, once it's released and they've read it and all that, then, you know. I mean, and, she was talking about college this morning and her son getting in, but kidding, this is not a plug to Kelly. Um, I, uh, you know, the don't, don't worry. You know, I don't, don't think she's a viewer yet. Maybe, maybe uh, like within a few more shows she'll catch on, but I don't think she's a viewer yet. <laughs> well, you never know. I mean, we can right. kind of like push it that way. But yeah. Uh, yeah um, <laughs> we think but her producers do watch and follow everything we do. I mean, he could be watching. We don't know. That's right. Uh, so yeah, it's exciting. I'm, uh, I, I, you know, like I said, I love the process. I read Ape um, a lot. I read Guy's book a lot, eight times, just to figure mm -hmm. out, you know, what to do. There's a lot in the process, and I, I highly recommend it for everyone. I think it's a, a good way to kind of build your brand. I hear a it's a pretty intense and involved process. It's not something that you do overnight, right? I mean, it's no, a it's, huge, right. it's a huge undertaking. How did you? Mm -hmm find time to write a book? 
So um, there are a couple of goals I had and certain hit points. Like I wanted certain things were really important to me. And so I ended up hiring a project manager, to be honest with you, and expressed what my hit points were. Aesthetically, I wanted my book to look a certain way. I didn't want it to be a how-to book. And so it was probably about, I was working 20 hours a day. So I have my client families who I help during the day. On layered right. on top of that is social media, and then layered on top of that is editing and writing. And right. you know, there's a lot to learn when you write a book. You can do it all yourself, and you you can have a team. It just depends on how you want to do it. Mm -hmm. And so, your project manager kept sort of everything moving and kind of yes. helped you fulfill your mm -hmm. vision, and then you supply the the content. Is that how? Yeah. It so she was always pushing in a forward direction. And so, you know, she was making sure we hit our timeline and everything. And then depending on whether I needed hands on that piece of, you know, material or whether we just needed to get the Amazon page up or however that worked. Um, it was important to me to have someone to help me push the project forward because it's probably been a four year project. And right. I was not getting it done because I was so busy interviewing people to help with the project. And so in the book, when people read it, um, what is the secret? What is one secret that's going to surprise them or most people don't know about the financial aid industry? That they probably should have started earlier having that conversation with their kids like in eighth grade. Wow. Yeah. So it's a it's not an easy process for, for right. parents, for kids. Well, it's not like you can wake up today and say, oh, okay, I need to pay for this, you know, $60,000, $40,000, $30,000 school. It's expensive now. It's like one of the most expensive items we as parents buy for our students. So, you know, you want to do that with an educated conversation with your students. And I think you probably know as an adult, and I know as an adult, that, you know, you have to pay rent and turn the lights right. on and do all kinds of stuff. And I think sometimes we don't, uh, we probably don't talk to our kids enough about that. We protect them. And so now I'm like encouraging you to open the doors and start having that conversation to make them self-sufficient, to make them understand money. And how do people explain to their kids why college costs so much and why the price of college has like tripled in 20 or 30 years while nothing else seems to be increasing at that rate? Right. I, I don't think we can tell them how and why. I think I've talked to a lot of different reporters and media outlets and so and and had a lot of that conversation that we don't agree with this. No one thinks this is right. But the fact of it is, is this is how it is. And until someone changes it and we don't have to talk about who we're going to vote for or what we're going to do or how this mm -hmm. is all going to. But it's not it's not good, but it is the way it is. So knowing that it is the way it is and financial aid is the way it is. How are we going to just make that system work for right now? Because we have kids who needs who need bachelor's degrees and masters right. in order to move on. And is part of what you do with families? Do you advise them on which colleges um, to apply to based on cost and things like that, um, and based on ease maybe of navigating the financial aid maze or? So I kind of come to the table. I definitely am not the admissions girl. I am mm -hmm. the numbers girl. So I'm the girl who worked in the financial aid office, knows about the forums, knows how to fill out the forums and navigate the system. As far as finding the college, I think you should apply to three tiers of college. One that's like 
a state school, maybe one that's a private school cost wise and then public. And then there's other matters of fit, you know, whether you want to live on the East Coast or the West Coast and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So, right. Do you ever um, have parents question what's the value of of a college education now? All like, is it worth them or, or their children going into debt mm-hmm. um, for a degree that may or may not prepare them for the reality of today's marketplace. All the time I have parents say, you know, what's the value of college? I don't really see the value. And I can't really tell them that. I mean, I think that that's a family decision. I can just say exactly kind of what I said before, which is college cost this. Right. You've saved this. No one's judging. If you don't want to pay whatever you need to pay for that, that's okay. That, you know, you need to let your student know so they're not applying to the most expensive school in the United States. And then later on, you're going to have to say no. So sorry, honey. Right, right. So <laughs> uh, parents should begin the conversation, as you said, with their kids in eighth grade. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when should they start saving for college? How should they go about saving for college? I mean, probably the, before their child's born. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to be a grandma. So I'm. Mm-hmm setting up a 529 for my grandchild, right? Mm-hmm. Now should be the time. So they get the Tonka truck or the, we don't know the sex. So, um, so whatever with a little <laughs> bit of 529 money attached to it. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, um, I'm shocked to your grandmother. You look far too young to be Thank a grandmother. You <laughs> <laughs> um, so if, if, if somebody's trying to get financial aid, what are the basics? Like if, if somebody's a parent and they're new to this, to the process and they're watching this, what should they start to do? What are the basic things they need to start to consider? <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm losing my voice a little bit. The basic things they need to consider um, as they begin the process. So I really encourage families to go on every college website. There's a net price calculator and they can look at the cost of college maybe what their income is. They can put in little figures to figure out what the cost of college will be, what their assets are, and then find out if that college is even in their price point. Uh, They can also look on sites like Big Future, which is owned by College Board, get an idea of like fit, size of college, public, private, all of those go into the decision, which has to be made on May 1st. You know, where are they going to go after they get in? Right, right. And I was just going to say, Have a good list because this is the first time that someone else is going to say no to your student other than you that, no, I'm sorry, we don't want you here. (laughs) Yeah. Not, not an easy thing to hear when you, you've dreamed of going to a certain school or whatever, and you you might not get in. That's, that's certainly not easy for anybody. Um, How did you get into the financial aid, the financial aid industry? So what happened was I was walking with a friend of mine and we decided what was going to be my next step in life. And um, I pretty much uh, like to be president of everything. Hey, Kim. Hi. I'm in the car picking up a pizza for my soon-to-be college freshman. Are you, drive, are you driving? No, I pulled over. I pulled okay. Over. Oh, okay. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I had a question for you guys, and then I have to go get my pizza, but I, I would love to do this. Do you do this all the time? I do Jody? this all the time. Oh, no. Jody, I follow you on all your sites. Oh, thank you. I'm so humbled. Great. Thank you. I, um, I teach college essay writing, but I just went through this process with my daughter. Look how horrible mm-hmm. I look. God, 
No, you look fine. I just went through this process with my daughter, and um, I found I'm just I'll, I uh-huh. I found that the schools that I thought were gonna give a lot of money didn't. Right. And the schools, you know, so I just I tried. We tried to be really open minded about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was it was really interesting. I mean, we we she only applied to schools that we knew were gonna be um, affordable. Right. Um, because I. You know, cause I did a lot of st- I did a lot of stuff beforehand, but it was really interesting. And most of the scholarships I found, and you're the expert on this, not me. Um, she got merit scholarships, and the okay. actual money for aid was a lot less than I expected from a lot of the schools. Yeah. And, I, and I and I hear that from a lot of people. And I'm in the industry, but I didn't pay attention to the money end too much until I had to do the paperwork and take care of my own daughter. And I'm a single mom mm-hmm. and it was, I mean, I'm, I'll get a Pell Grant, but beyond that, it's a lot of loans. Um, yeah, I think it's, good. it's just interesting. I mean, you really have to, parents really have to pay attention to it. And I think we've got it worked out so that she'll go to school and mm-hmm. she may have enough money for her first year that we can use some of her, her uh, 529 plan. Mm-hmm pay for some of the um, services she needs for a coach for her dyslexia. So okay. my, it's going to work out okay, but it was really challenging. And I, I, I don't like, I'm in my car. I don't have a lot of information with me, but I, I could, I would love to talk to you about it another time because I know. You yeah, do. no, I think that'd be great. I, I do think that, you know, we spend, I spend a lot. Um, I, you know, I'm discovers brand ambassador. I think we spend a lot of time getting the message out that I think the media doesn't do sometimes a great job of letting everyone what's really out there and what's really not out there. And that we really need to tell people what it's like, you know, that there's not these scholarships out there, that there's, that there's only maybe a Pell Grant that's $5,500. You know what I mean? And that, you know, that's the message I try to get out. And I think that that was the basis of the book situation is to try and say, this is what's really happening. We may not agree, but this is well, what it is right now. Really interesting. I'm sure you go to these conferences. I was speaking at uh, the college fair in Detroit. Uh-huh. There was a woman from the college board um, telling all these kids in a room about all this money that's unused and not available. And then I thought about Mark Canterwood's. Uh-huh. How he goes out and tells everyone, I didn't pay anything, and you should apply for every $500 scholarship. I don't know what kid has time to do that. I mean, to be honest, um, it's I, I don't know that it's worth it. I don't know. I know that it all adds up, mm-hmm. but it's just the advice they give. Sometimes I feel like it's just not real. And these kids are writing, you know, hundreds of essays to get 500 bucks a piece and it's just it's absolutely insane so i i I agree with you there is money out there but they have to be realistic and all those dollars people talk about that money's not all available so that's what i mean i think that they're out there but i do think that like you said i think you kind of hit it and passed it and like maybe we need to focus on that more too is you know, your student is a senior, not just yours, but these, you know, these senior students have a lot going on, you know, it's the end of the year, it's senior this, it's prom this, and they don't want to be applying for scholarships. And so they may be sitting out there, but, you know, students really don't want to sit down and apply. I mean, let's be real, they get bored. They're not qualified for all of them either. And they're not qualified for all of them. So let's be realistic, you know, and for the ones that they are qualified for um you know uh tracy cooper mentions it's always worth it 
um, because there's a lot of scholarship money that is left on the table because many people do think that, you know, they're not going to get it. Right. And so what Mark says, and he says it in his book, and he'll say it all the time, is, you know, students need to apply to 50 and 60 scholarships, not just one and two, not the $25,000 Coca-Cola scholarship. It's those $1,000 scholarships that they can just whip 10 out, you know, in half an hour. And I, I do think that that is sitting there. And I do think that it's left there because students are busy doing something else. Thanks. Thanks, Kim. Thanks for calling in, Kim. Appreciate it. I, I'm going to go get my pizza, but I, Jody, I want to talk to you. So I'm going to, I'll send you. A- you know how to find me. I'm around. <laughs> Bye guys. Thank Bye, you. Kim. Thank you for calling in. So, um, with, with the essays, having not gone through this process, uh-huh. it, you can use the same essay for, for multiple scholarships. They don't all ask different questions or are they all going to require different essays. Well, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, anyone out there who's, and then the admission side, but if you're using essays that you used on the Common App for admissions, you could probably tweak them a little bit for these other mm-hmm. scholarship essays. So yes, you're not reinventing the wheel. You can just definitely tweak things. So, I mean, some ask for what are three sentences that you feel about spring break? You know, I mean, it's not that difficult to sit down and write that in four and a half seconds, right? Right, right. Resume Workshop, uh, which is Tracy Cooper, says um, Uh they require different criteria, but uh, you must modify, use a a template starter. So the essay shouldn't be shouldn't be a stumbling block for someone who wants to apply for more scholarship, more more aids. Right. Exactly. It shouldn't be a stumbling block. And there's there's even as there's maybe um, Tracy. Is it Tracy? Um, you know, maybe she can recommend, you know, there's also no essay scholarships where you mm-hmm. can just go those thousand dollars, you know, and put in your name and, you know, that's another option to do it. So, yeah. And feel free, Tracy, to, to jump in if you want to yeah, uh, join the conversation. Um, Elaine says, um, we're currently accepting applications from graduate engineering students for a $10,000 scholarship would it be okay if I share the info? Sure, sure. Yeah, um, you can enter it in the chat box, or you can you can jump in quickly and uh, tell us about it. That's uh, that's amazing. It's a that's, nice scholarship. Yeah. Somebody who's offering that. I have like several engineering students who would love that. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you work with you work with graduate students as well as undergraduate? Um, yeah, sometimes if I've worked with the family or the student in their undergrad and then they move to their grad um, program, I encourage them to take and own their own process so that they're, you know, moving forward on their own without their parents sort of sheltering them in that situation. Right, Hi, Tracy. Right. Hi, Tracy. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Nice to meet you. Yes, nice to meet you as well. <laughs> so it, it sounds like in addition to doing resumes, Tracy, you have some experience with the, the application process for, for scholarships and financial aid. Absolutely. I worked five years at a two-year college where I worked with scholarships and students and resumes for the scholarships and things like that. And then I um, recently worked at a four-year university, so I have a lot of experience. Uh, there's a lot of money on left on the table, and really the scholarships are within. It is networking. It is total networking as well. It's who you know and who you get to befriend that has knowledge of scholarships that is uh, key as well. Really? I didn't know that. Do tell. 
Absolutely. Uh, working with the scholarships, if I because I also taught two classes at the two-year college that I worked at, um, how to get from your major to your career and success in the workforce. Uh -huh. So therefore, as a part of those classes, I worked with some of the scholarships. And uh, if a student really indicated the need to me, uh -huh. I had a connection that would take care of that student when it came down. Now the student still had to follow the criteria uh -huh. However, however, wow. I feel like you're doing like a huge double wink to us right now. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> however, exactly. exactly. So um, it depends on who you know and the need. If you indicate the need uh -huh. as well, so yeah, there's ways around it, especially once the student gets to the colleges. But the biggest thing is that students don't apply. They do not apply because they think the same thing that the other lady was thinking that ah, they'll never get it. Uh, someone else is going to get it. And everybody, if everybody's thinking someone else is going to get it, then nobody no ends up with it. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So thank you, Casey. Appreciate thank you. it. Nice yeah. meeting you. Nice meeting you too. Bye bye. Okay. So let's go back to the beginning. How, how did you uh, get into the financial aid industry? Right. Great. Thank, thank you for bringing us back mm -hmm. to the beginning. Um, so I took a class at UCLA uh, on financial aid and the teacher of my class was uh, the direct is the director was the director at Occidental College. Mm -hmm. And I called her up and said, Hey, I'm going to be in the area. I live in Seal Beach. She lives in Pasadena. I was not in the area. Right. <laughs> I drove to Pasadena and had coffee with her and say, hey, um, I have this great idea. You know, I'd love to learn about financial aid. I really want to help students and families with the financial aid process. I want to open my own company. Is there any way you would hire me and teach me everything you knew? And she said yes. Wow, that is great. Isn't that great? And so um, I worked there for five years on and off. Um, while I did that, I opened my own small business where I helped families. I started off with five families. I now have 250 families a year about. And uh, and then um, I also worked at Pitzer College. So I helped them at Pitzer College. And then um, on top of that, I layered social media. So it was really important to me to get the word out in social media. So I read social media for dummies. And <laughs> you got to start somewhere, right? <laughs> right? And then um, I, you know, I just sort of built my company sort of as I went, but always staying connected with the college piece. So how did social media change things for you as you were, you were building your company? Yeah. So for the first three years, I, I just used, at the time I used constant contact. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a list of local community members and I used a flash. I had, I had a friend of mine build a flash website. I think it was flash at the time, right? <laughs> right, right? Right. Okay. And then I picked a logo. And obviously uh, for all of those entrepreneurs out there who, when naming your company, you should not have four long words in your company, college mm -hmm. financial aid advisors. Um, but I thought I needed to hit all the words. And uh and then about four years after that, I created College Cash, which was Thursday nights, used to be at the same time as Media Chat. But then right. I got, I, you know, I changed it to be before Dad Chat. So then it was me, Dad Chat, and then Aaron. 
and uh, it totally changed. And then once I got rid of Flash and put a WordPress site on, I used to go to Blog Chat all the time, and everyone in Blog Chat told me, you know, Jody, you really need a WordPress site. And you know, that really kind of doubled and tripled my business. I have to say, really getting the word out and creating a lot of content. Hi, wow. how are you? Hi, Elaine. How are you? Hey, Good. Good. great to see you. Welcome. Thanks so much for you know. I, when I'm on Blab, I hardly ever talk about my job. Uh-huh. And, and but in this case, I had to because <laughs> we are it. offering the scholarship. And I know that you have so many connections, <laughs> Jody. <laughs> and Jody, guess what? I what? follow um, you with my Twitter account, but I also follow you with my work. Twitter account. Which so sweet. You never know that it's me. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so humbled. And so um, the thing is, we have ASTM International is a standards development organization. Mm -hmm. And so we have a lot of standards that are related to the fields of engineering. Mm -hmm. And so, but we have 146 committees. So everything's not engineering, but we kind of just, you know, to try to um, sum it up as quickly as you can, especially when you're on Twitter, we just say it's a graduate scholarship for engineering students, but it doesn't have to be engineering. I mean, we have, we just started a committee on human resources. Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, to have standards on that is going to be huge. Wish but, I knew you know, that before I went to my for my master's. We've <laughs> <laughs> got additive manufacturing, you know, the 3D printing and all. But most people, when they think of ASTM, they think of the iron and steel and the construction mm -hmm. standards. And, you know, we do also have mechanical engineering and all of that. Mm -hmm. The scholarship deadline is uh, on the 30th of April. Oh, wow. It's and, yes. And, you know, so really and i actually posted the little blurb that's on the site and really it's just when you go to that page that link that i gave you guys mm -hmm. it's just a word document there for the for the student to fill out the application okay and it's not an extensive process but most kids that are in engineering universities are familiar with ASTM standards. Okay. We have a lot of academic outreach. We have a lot of members that are also faculty and all of that. And so this program has been going on for a few years now. And so I could not resist. So for people who are in engineering and you mentioned human resources and other fields can apply, right? What, yes. what do you mean by standards? I think a lot of people oh. might be familiar with that term in, in this context. Standardization process is just the process of the standards that we have are consensus. So you have users, producers, and general interest, which most of those are the academics. We have government and we're international. So we have standards and we have people using and implementing the standards all over the world. And so it's just, let's say, for example, I'll give you an example of a standard. Um, how hard this table has to be in order to maintain a certain weight of the material that's on the sidewalk so you don't slip and fall and hurt yourself. The air quality, the level of, of different toxins or whatever that could be in the environment. All we have tests, test methods, and standards that apply to all that stuff. So you use, I'll give you a common use that 
anybody would probably um, be able to see. If you go to Home Depot on the side of the plastic pipe, you'll see ASTM D whatever oh, standard. Mm -hmm. oh, we have twelve oh. standards, so I can't remember them. <laughs> uh, on your your Barbie dolls, you turn it on the back of it, you'll see ASTM F nine sixty three. We also, you know, a lot of consumer products, a lot of baby products with the uh, high chairs, the crib, all that stuff. Like when something will fall over or anything like that, those things like when Ikea had to issue some kind of a recall because kids were pulling over their dressers and TVs and things falling on them. That was because they had to. So it's certain criteria yeah. that people have to hit, right, in order? Yes. Okay, th that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, Tracy says uh, STEM is now adding the arts as well, so scholarships for students in the arts. And then she mentions there's even scholarships yeah. for yeah. people who there's are left-handed. There's even scholarships for people who, like, so, like, duct tape does the prom scholarship, so how do you make a prom dress out of duct tape? So that's another really good scholarship. But I, I love the, the new engineering conversation. And I, I like I said earlier, I don't do admissions, but I've been to a couple schools and they're learning about their engineering program. And I think it's a sort of interesting major now where um, encouraging students that if they have the ability to major in engineering, that it's, if not better, almost, I mean, it almost surpasses being a business major because every company in some way needs an engineer and that you can minor in business. Is that true or not true? I mean, would you say that, you know, it's becoming the higher paid job, the more uh, structured, affluent position or major to be in, right? Yeah, and you know, for years, um, I've been with the company for 33 years. So I, and I've been doing this academic outreach piece for about the last 10 years. But there's always, I, I also belong to this organization called the American Society for Engineering Education, ASEE. Uh -huh. They do this study, like, what are the top paid engineering jobs? Every year they put out this data. Yeah. Engineering and number one. It was petroleum engineers for the longest, but yeah. you guys know the price <laughs> of the oil is coming down. So, you know, I think chemical engineering is starting to overtake that. It probably take a couple years before mm -hmm. the tables kind of flip and uh -huh. maybe something else comes to the top. But I also do have a question, Jody. Okay. I find that it's a big challenge. Uh -huh. This is more like a social media question. I have a big challenge with reaching out to these engineering students, especially on Twitter, because I find that most of them, their tweets, their are private, their accounts uh -huh. are private, you right. know, or <laughs> and, and if they are the few that are on Twitter, they're like, okay, go follow them. You could like, you could retweet them. They don't want to follow you back. It's kind of like, all right, I'm not, I'm on social media now. I'm not thinking about school. <laughs> but, well, feel free to um, post it in College Cash or on my fan page, whatever works for you. I'm open to any kind of connectivity with students and stuff like that. So definitely get it out there or let me know and I'll throw it out there too. So I'm pretty open in that sense. Um, I definitely want to pay it forward. So um, let me know any way I can help you. I'd be happy to. Thank you so much because we also, we also offer grants uh -huh. for students when on their um, senior design project. So we, you know, we're trying to, you know, make sure that students don't get out in the real world. You've got your engineering degree, right? 
And then you go for a job. Then you found like, oh, I need to know about standards. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, My yeah. professor didn't tell me that. So we, I, and even in the time that we've had this program, we're starting to see that turn in some, in some schools. Yeah. Not all. <laughs> Cool. Uh, yes. Thanks and a lot, just, Elaine. Thanks just for, for the sharing record, your experience. Eileen. Thanks, Eileen. 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 <laughs> what was I, I don't saying? know. Something else, but it, it's Eileen. And it was great to meet you. And a great, Ross, okay. thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Good to meet you. Bye bye. Okay. Thank you, Eileen. Bye, Eileen. <laughs> um, so uh, interesting that um, Kim Lifton suggests Snapchat. Um, although I don't know how you would get those students' codes if they're so if they're so private, but um, that could be one way, I guess, to to message students uh, directly. Um, Alfredo suggests go to the schools, colleges, and visit the department chairs. Um, Tracy says if you can, you should attend their events and reach mm -hmm. out to the administrators in the programs of interest. Um, so there's a lot of different ways um, to to reach the students who you'd. You'd want to. Yeah, apply I think for in a couple of weeks I'm having the USC admissions director on College Cash. So if if Eileen can you know uh, connect with me before then, maybe we can get some eyeballs on that. You know, he can be helpful in that sense too. So that would be good. Right, right. And Kim Lifton says you got to reach mom and dad. So right. Facebook's now the place for True. reaching it's mom and dad, right? She says she has lists, lists and can help. So let's let's talk about now right. you're on social media, right? And how long have you been on um, Twitter? Four, how long have you been years. on? Um, College um, Cash is four years old. And yeah, so it's not wow. that old. Um, and uh, I think uh, we pivoted in college cash when I realized that I didn't have to hang out with just my industry professionals. And I realized that everyone, whether they're in social media is maybe a mom or a dad or an aunt or an uncle or a friend or a brother mm -hmm. or know someone going to college. So the minute I did that and invited guests that weren't just talking about college and financial aid, which can get kind of dry and boring a lot. Um, and we were talking about other things like students and social media or what, you know, how to organize or whatever we're talking about. I opened the topic up a lot more. And um, that's when social media really kind of flooded and came in to uh, help grow my company. And did you have a separate account for your company or you do? I do have a separate account. College Cash Chat. Is, I do, but I don't I don't grow it. I don't use it. I retweet a lot, but I really just use my name and use mm -hmm. me. So in four in four years, essentially, you went from zero to one hundred and twenty five thousand right, followers. Well, that that is amazing. I don't yeah, know whether no, you want to share cool. that I or not, but that is, that is amazing. That, I mean, that that is. I mean, for I mean, in our <laughs> world, you're a celebrity, right? But if you're not, you know, on TV, on network TV, or in the movies or whatever, how do you get? How do you get to that point in in such a I definitely have time. a method. Uh, my method is, first of all, I'm a seasonal company. So during the time that we're doing financial aid, I spend most of my time there. So you'll see me on social media, but it won't be as, as chatty as during my off season. And then every week or every day during my off season, I follow a thousand people a day. 
So I sit and literally follow, 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 follow. Um, I follow everyone back on my phone during the day that's followed me and have some sort of conversation with everyone. Um, so I do make a point of it. I'm probably on at least five times a day live. So I'm definitely on at five o'clock in the morning, Eastern time or five o'clock my time. Um, and I'm off probably at 10 mm -hmm. o'clock my time. But everyone has had some contact with me live on my phone most of the time or on Hootsuite or native Twitter. Um, but I do follow a uh, thousand people a day during summer. And how fast, like what do you see a day in terms of your growth of um, followers so doing usually, that? Usually uh, if I'm doing it for a straight week, like a thousand a day for a straight week, um, it usually can jump between, you know, about five, 5,000 ish, 10,000, you know, it's really a push unless I'm listing and following. So if I'm listing and following, that's the best method I have found. So following and then listing everyone under a separate list um, on my Twitter lists. That's the most successful rate where right, you're going right. to see people back at you, you know, talking and having a conversation with you. So you're not only getting... So you're not only getting followers, you're getting people who are real and willing to engage with you. Like you're not just no. building 125,000 anybody's. You're so you're being selective in terms of who you follow and how to be you honest with you. With I was them. more selective in the beginning than I am now. Now, you know, everyone's like, don't follow an egghead. Don't follow, you know, a brand. I actually do that more now than in the beginning. In the beginning, I was more selective. I'm not as selective now. Now I'm following you. If you have a conversation with mm -hmm. me, great. At least I know I've done my homework, you know, and I'm not like judging you for who your avatar is. I'm right, just going right. for it. Make sense? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I was, I think I had a period like where right. I would, had some free time, right? And I would spend a lot of time on Twitter and I did a lot of tweeting and retweeting. And, um, uh, you know, I still to this day message, try and message mm -hmm. most of the people that follow me back, but I don't have the time to do it with, with everybody. But if somebody follows me, I'll send them a message and follow them back unless right. I think they're a bot or they're publishing right. something that's you know not appropriate right, for right, families right. or whatever right but otherwise I'll, I'll follow mo most everybody back um but i don't do like nowadays i don't do a lot of like following uh -huh. myself right i just engage with people who engage so if somebody follows me i'll follow them back if they tweet at me or they retweet me or something then i'll, I'll comment with them so it's a much slower process unless you spend it's right. a, it's a, it's a well, lot of time. Yeah, I mean, right? I, I usually, mean, I mean, like a moment in you know a peek behind Jody's life would be I'd sit down with my phone, I look at my notifications. If it says fourteen people on my phone followed me, I go to those fourteen people. I see if I'm following them. I look to see if there's anyone, you know, that maybe I want to reach out or connect with, or who if I know them from someplace else or my state, and just grab something from their bio to say something to them. So they're probably when I go to bed at night, I have followed everyone who's followed me that day. Aside from the initial following, when I say, okay, now I'm going to follow a thousand people in this hour right now. And those, those months usually happen for me in the summertime. Wow. Wow. So, um, do you find that the, how, how do you do the list building? Like how do you So do I started your, with your um, lists? four lists because um, uh, I break myself up into four parts. So I'm a college, uh, financial aid, small business, entrepreneur, 
And then recently I've been creating a little bit more lists, um, like as far as my like author and speaking and that's it. So I, but I had four categories right in the beginning and that was it. You either fell into four categories or not. So when you follow somebody and you add them to one of the categories, if they fit into those categories, no, or you I actually add them first? follow them first and then I list later. So listing is like a whole different, like during the summer, um, I'll go back and start listing people. I'll look to see what's trending in my company or what's really apparent in my company. Mm -hmm. Let's say it's, let's just use the book, for example, like right now it's all about the book. So then I would go and create lists right now of my 125,000 and start creating lists around the things that are in my company rising to the top. Make sense? Now, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I imagine with as many followers as you have, because I, I don't think I can do it and I, I don't mm -hmm. have, you know, a tenth of the followers that you have. You, you must not use the, the feed anymore, right? I mean, when you want to just see what people are tweeting about, you, you must either search a hashtag or look at a list or so, something like so, that, right? Um, to curate. So I have different methods, to be honest with you. I, uh, depending on the day and what's happening in the news, I will go for those hashtags. So if it's a sporting event or maybe, you know, obviously we're talking about politics mm -hmm. right now. And because politics is really, and not to use, I know we're technically not supposed to talk about it, but politics, the people who are on the politics hashtags are reporters. And if you want to connect with reporters right. so that you are spoken about in media, then at some point you have to like be in the stream. So I am in my home stream then. I sometimes find myself only being in certain streams all the time. And so I want to break the cycle. So I will go to my home stream more often when I've been in my parent mm -hmm. bloggers or my, you know, let's say social media marketing world or, you know, wherever I am hanging out the most with my friends, I will say, okay, Jody, you need to spend some time in the home stream a little bit and like talk to your other friends. So I do that consciously. Right, mm -hmm. right. Wow. Wow. So how, how much time would you say you spend a day on managing um, Twitter? I, I mean, it's, it's just sort of like breathing oxygen for me. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, I go there in between clients. I go there, I go there first probably before Facebook. Um, so for me, it's Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook. And, and that doesn't mean it's right for everyone. It's just, those are my comfort zones. That's kind of where I go. Yeah. Right. Right. And do you use other platforms as well as those four? I know you host a show on, on Blab, you know, so you do that monthly. I was using Periscope um, for a while. Um, I think my audience is really there. Um, uh, is there other other platforms? I'm not thinking. I use Pinterest, so every Pinterest. article um, that I, um, I write, I Google Plus it, I pin it. Um, so I still do that. So I have, I use a editorial calendar for everything that I do in my company. So everything is very systematic. Do you use, um, the collections feature? I have been, I just Plus? started using them. So I have four collections and I'm going to stick with four for right now. So I have social media, small business, financial aid, and I, uh, another one called college talk. So that anything that has nothing to do with financial aid, it's all the other like admissions, dorm right, decorating right. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I stopped using um, Google plus for, for quite a while. And then I said again, you know, maybe I should go back because Google plus like Pinterest, Tumblr, those sites right. index very well in, in search. So there's something to be said for using at least one, or more of them. I have, you know, I, I often go a long time without using Pinterest right. and then I'll get right. into it. Right. It's great. It's a dick thing. Right. And then you stop using it again for a while. 
But um, with Google Plus, I, I think the collections thing is really cool way to organize for nothing else. Like I know it probably has SEO value, but for nothing else, it's not a bad way to organize like the content that you've been sharing oh. all over the place just for your own for your own use. And so I've started I've started sharing stuff and then putting it into the collections. And I'm I'm not really sure. Like, do I put I it in the collection first? Do I share it first? Do I, I move I, I, it? I, I like, know that too. Yeah, I, I thought you're just like share it first and then move it to the collection second. But I could be wrong, and someone might come and tell us we're wrong. Okay. <laughs> and then somebody will, like, fortunately, most of my people aren't really reading Google Plus, so I guess right. it probably doesn't matter. But you know, like you share it, and then they get another right, notification. You, you shared it into yourself. Right. So, but I, it's actually a very cool feature for a, for a platform that, you know, was kind of on the back yeah. burner for a lot I mean, of people. I, I, um, I still do it. I, I write, you know, I write for about, about.com and I write a business post and a financial aid post um, once a week. So, you know, I like to get my content out there and that's another way. Yeah, and there are communities that are active there and ask yeah. questions and groups and stuff like yeah. that. I'm not trying to do a, an endorsement right, right. for using that. You know, it shouldn't be somebody's first. Um, and, and so you pin your articles to, to Pinterest. You create like a special graphic mm -hmm. for each article, or you just use something that goes within the blog so post? I, um, or I you... use, so I'm a many tools girl. So I do use social warfare in my WordPress. So that is my plugin that I use so that I love the Pinterest and the social media and then the Twitter option. And then also we use Canva and relay that. And um, so I make a, a correct size picture for every single platform, including LinkedIn and so on and so forth. So yeah, everything, it takes a while to get a post out. <laughs> right, right. The cool thing about Relay, which is now what I use for like all my yeah. show graphics and all that stuff is that you can resize stuff and, and it just kind of, you still have to move things around a little bit, but it's got all the sizes yeah. right in there. So once you put in certain things you're you're limited in your options which in some ways it, makes for a it show easier and like for college cash too like thursday morning sometimes i wake up and i'm like ah and so i just like move things around and there you have it like they're saved i have the back right background and so you're right i love relay that for me when i need to be in the moment you know and then i use different apps mm -hmm. like swag uh, word swag and hyperama um to make you know my instagrams or if i take pictures on the fly and stuff like that Right, right. Now, do you do any like social media consulting or do you do speaking on social media? Because you clearly have like a huge skill set in this area. And, and you know, I'm just curious. So if I just you do launched any, my like, website, geokin.com. So that was, you know, probably the next phase of, you know, how does someone start a company? How do they implement social media? It just so happens that my company was about financial aid. But yeah, I think that's the next stepping stone to this you know, brand picture of how I made a very boring, dry, hard topic, extremely relevant and visual, um, and how anyone can do that, you know? Mm -hmm. So you'd, so the next step would be maybe to work with entrepreneurs who are looking to do that around yeah, their make, industry. Yeah. Or and how to make their, their brand come alive and, you know, kind of the little tricks that I've done that have worked for me and, um, passing those on. So now okay. So now live streaming comes along. Now it's been around a while. I know mm -hmm. Google Plus and all these other things, but 
the live streaming era kind of began with Meerkat last right. year and Periscope and Blab. And so we're looking about a year old to where you could just grab your right. cell phone and start start live streaming. Um, did you did you jump on that right away? Were you yeah, an early so the fun part or? of it is my associate director, Alex, um, who's like hiding in the background here and will not pop up. But um, we were at South by <laughs> at South by um, EDU and we were tweeting and a friend of mine, Britt, um, says, hey, you know, hop on Meerkat and I want to see what, you know, Khan Academy is saying because he was up there speaking. So right then and there, when everyone hopped on Meerkat, we were there, too. And then from that point on, you know, I just have been trying to find my audience on every, you know, live streaming um, uh, platform, shall we say, that I can and finding how it best fits for my brand and me. Um, I don't think that my customer client is necessarily on it, but I think it's really good for people to finally see who Jodi Okun is and how she acts and how she has a nervous laugh and how she talks with her hands. And so I think, I think, I think that that is a really good inside scoop as to how I'm using live streaming. Right. Right. And also everybody knows somebody who has a child right, right, or right a friend back. or a cousin exactly. who's going. So, you know, if somebody says, do you know anybody who can help with financial aid? You're like right, right. front of mind, right? Exactly. Because you're, you're, you're on these platforms and the connection you make are, are, are stronger than you make with just, exactly. with just text. But the audience is much smaller than, you know, you're going to get on a tweet or something else, but the engagement is probably right. stronger, um, right? I, you know, I'm a fan of Snap. Um, I'm not a fan of the storytelling in Snap, but I'm a fan of showing everyone like a day in a life of what happens in our office or what is Jody drinking for breakfast or, you know, that kind of thing. And kind of give, I'm lucky I live by the beach. So it gives everyone this, kind of inside scoop of a boring topic. <laughs> right, right. And so you, you said you're not doing much on, on Periscope. Yeah, it was funny. Days, like right? I, I downloaded it uh, this weekend. I was a keynote speaker at a conference and I downloaded it specifically to see what was happening at social media marketing world. Did you know, did you do the same thing? Like I, I kind of let it, cause it takes up a lot of battery space. So I like brought it, I bring it back all the time right. and let it go a lot sometimes. And well, I keep it on. I keep it on my phone, but I have it Since, like the notifications and yeah. all that turned off because otherwise it would just be I a know, constant. I know. I'm a big <laughs> notifications girl. It's probably not a good thing, but I like I like to see who of my people are talking, and I want to respond in a timely manner. Um, so uh, Periscope is good. Uh, you know, I just I'm loving Blab a little bit more and Snap a little bit more. Mm -hmm. That's just my comfort zone. That's all. Not for any particular reason. Right. Right. You think do you think Snapchat is going to eventually be like the next big platform alongside Facebook or do you think it's it's a lot of hype now or do you think it's in between or you think it'll be more just like messaging or where, where do you think Snapchat is going to fit well, into I mean, the whole? I, I think to answer that question, I probably have four different answers because I'm going to come from it from four different mm -hmm. sides. I'm probably going to come from it from I'm a mom of a 25 year old or 26 year old who probably hangs out with the owner of who invented Snapchat. So I'm probably going to be like, you know, however you want to use it, you want to use it. Um, do I think okay, that? Okay, so I got to be nice about Snapchat. <laughs> um, no, do I think that I'm going to um, increase my clients and consumers in my company off of Snapchat? Probably not. Do I think it's, like I said, it's a good way to be 360 degrees in my brand? 100% yes. Um, 
do mm -hmm. I think it's good um, as a small business owner, entrepreneur to try everything? I'm a trier. I love to try everything. So I make no no call on it and just, just go for it. Do it feels the most comfortable for me. I'm not a big, uh, this is my uncomfortable zone, to be honest with you, like chatting and talking, where I'm better the other way. So it's really good to be in my outside my box comfort zone. <laughs> Right, right, right. And you consider Snapchat video kind of like I, live streaming then, yeah. right? Because you're you record quickly, yeah. you put it up, there's not a lot of like right. editing. Like Jody that just goes do it, in say it, or post really it, any. Right, right. right. <laughs> um, you know, here's my take on it, and I'm just curious what your reaction mm -hmm. is for, for me. I think it's great for messaging people, like for people you might not know mm -hmm. that well, seem to be like more receptive to being messaged on snapchat than texting idea. them uh -huh. or sending them linkedin in mail or whatever more like right. facebook messenger you you would use um except that i think people are more open to snapchat because they're trying to, to you know mm -hmm. get more followers and get more engagement there um but and so i see a value in it and i enjoy watching some snaps but i also feel like i'm i'm spending like when i spend my time there i rather be doing almost anything right. else sometimes i don't know like I, I i sometimes wonder like you know and the other thing is like when i'm out enjoying myself or whatever i don't necessarily want to start stop and like keep snapping as like each thing i want to kind of live good. in the moment and so i see people who are like snapping constantly and it's like i'm glad they're sharing like i'm glad i can watch right. events right. through their eyes but if I was at the event, I'd be too wrapped up in like what I was doing. Maybe I'd stop and take one snap, but I can't see like co like constantly doing that. And I, I mean, I sound like such like, a, you know, one of these people who's skeptical about tech and all. Of course, I'm not. I'm totally into all these platforms and I like Snapchat. And I'm trying to trying to keep an open mind to it. But I just wonder how we're going to eventually end up using it. And are people going to get tired of of using it where they're going to go, you know what, let's, let's, let's just have a good time and right. not worry about Snapchat. But, but probably they're doing the same thing with Instagram and everything else anyway. So it's, it's almost yeah. like an extension. We were, I was at a concert with uh, friends of mine, my kids, a whole bunch of people. And we were at Maroon 5 and Adam Levine actually stopped in the middle of singing. And he said, put down your phone. Like, Everyone stop looking at your phone. Everyone stop looking through the lens. Everyone stop looking at your phone. I'm going to not start singing until everyone's phone is down. And then I'm going to continue singing. And then everyone put down their phone, but this one guy. So he goes over to the one guy and he's like, hey, dude, like put down your phone, like enjoy the concert. I'm going to sing. And so like the whole room went black. Like there was no more phones and it was amazing <laughs> like to just like be in the moment, not worry about recording it and dancing in it mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So, you know, I think looking at what I eat for breakfast is fine um, every other day. Um, but, you know, whatever works for you, you know, whatever, you know, was kind of working for right, your brand. Right. Right. Uh, we have right. Uh, we have a question here. Uh, what about Slack? Do you use it? Um, and what are some best practices? I don't. What's Do Slack? You use Slack? I'm so, I feel so... Un um, it's a group. It's like a group messaging. Um, I'm in part of a Slack group, but I'm not that active in using Slack. I kind of see what the messages are and I go right. like to Twitter and yeah, share that I'm supposed to share. So I'm kind of one way on it. I use it uh -huh. for notifications. Um, Tracy says I'm slack. I guess I'm a slacker too. <laughs> yeah. 
Eileen's up on a lot of things. Eileen, do you use Slack? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that's that's Slack. So um, before we wrap up, um, what do you, what do you want people to to know about the book coming out and and you know what they can take away uh, from the so book? So the book is not a how to book. It's an evergreen book about the process, about the money conversation before high school, after college, during college, and like I said, the launch date is May twenty fourth. I'm really excited. It's my first book. So um, find me on Amazon. It's really cool. When you put in Amazon, you put your name and there you are. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jody. This is fun. I, you, I love learning about all the different things that you do on social media and, and of course, your business. Um, so I look forward to thank continuing so the much. conversation uh, Wednesday night with you and, and Aaron and, and Margie on your show at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific Wednesday night. And next week here on this show, we have Daniel Newman, outstanding digital marketer, keynote speaker, and he also hosts Cloud Talk right here. So we'll see everyone back next week, Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. Thanks a lot.